You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We are going to be jumping into a new series starting today called Navigating the Storms of Life. And this series is going to be all about helping uh, us really dig into some of the more difficult topics that we face as people. Right? Not just as Christians, but just people in general. And, and I think a lot of these particular storms that uh, come in and blow into our lives are going to be relevant for a lot of us personally, but they're also going to be really relevant for people that you love and care about, people in your family that may be facing some of these storms, people that are close friends of yours that may be facing some of these storms. And so as we dive into this series, I just want to encourage you to be thinking about um, who do you know that might might be uh, impacted by some of the storms. And so we'll be promoting them every week on social media and through our uh, different channels that way and, and making sure it goes out in the newsletter of what's coming up in the week to come. So you sort of have a pulse on, hey, what are we going to be touching on this next week? What topic? We're going to tackle things like anxiety and depression, uh, pornography. We're going to tackle things like tragedy that just blows into your life that's unexpected and it's hard to deal with. Things like relationship crisis, just to name a few. And so we're going we're gonna to spend a few weeks diving into some pretty challenging stuff that, as we were talking about it as a team, one of the things that it seems like oftentimes these are, are uh, special class type topics that you don't do on a Sunday morning, and these are some things we're going to stretch as a church and kind of pull the curtains back and talk about some really difficult things as a part of our regular service. And so just dive in with us. We're called Real Life for a Reason. And uh, we're going to unpack some real stuff in the weeks to come. And so one of the things we're going to do as a part of this series is every week we're going to have different people preaching and teaching on topics that they are um, more personally experienced with, either have specific training and education in that background, or they have personal testimony where they've actually navigated this storm and been through the thing that we're going to talk about and are on the other side of it and can speak from experience. And so each week, I'm going to get the opportunity to just introduce different people that... um, have experience and expertise in the particular storm for the day. And so the storm we're diving into today is anxiety and depression. And what does that do when it it rolls into your life or the life of people that you love? And we're going to be hearing from Alex Little. A lot of you know Alex. Uh, He's been a part of our church for a long time. And uh, he's been in ministry for about 12 years full-time, which is a lot of ministry and a lot of counseling and a lot of years of loving and caring about people. You uh, may not know that he has just finished up his master's in clinical mental health, and um, he's a lot smarter than he looks. Like, that's what I was getting at. Super smart there. Right. Yeah, he actually just finished up. Um, I want you to think about this for a second. When's the last time you thought about ever doing some, anything for 700 hours? He just finished up 700 hours of interning uh, and as a part of his degree and diving into the lives of people and caring about them. And so this is something that not only has he um, has the education and background to speak on, but it's something he's pretty passionate about personally. So I'm going to pass the baton and uh, let you take over the first storm. Thank you, Thad. Uh, before I begin, I want to talk a little bit about the Deploy Small Groups. Uh, Jolene, you saw up there uh, talking about her class. I love Jolene. Uh, If you want to know someone that brings wisdom to your life, that has just a great way of describing the Bible, 
so whenever I get ready for a message and I'm sure about a passage, I go to Jolene, like, hey, could you do some research for me? Maybe sometimes like you've been in the word for so long and now it just seems like, ah, oh, it's just hard to get back into it. I need to be around someone who's excited about God's word. Like Jolene is that person. Like she is excited about God's word. So if you need that in your life, think about joining her class. I also want to mention there, if you go to our webpage and you scroll down a little bit, there's a spot for the deploy small groups. And if you go to that link, you can look at different descriptions. Uh, there is a marriage class that's part of that. There is a group of guys that get together and women to get together to talk about just being in God's word. Like if you're like, I need to be in God's word more often. And it's such a hard, hard thing for me to do is to stay consistent doing that. It'd be a great group of men or women for you to be involved with that would help you to like, have that accountability, that God's would be part of your life every day. I also want to mention there are other groups that are part of it that are tied in with our home groups. Uh, there is one group of biblical context done by Brad Gray. If you're not in a home group and you're like, I would love to do that, but I know maybe two or three other people that might want to join me in to do that. I would love to assist you and help you lead those groups. Um, their video done. So it's just you kind of asking some discussion questions. Uh, if you go to that website, my email, alex at rlcpullman.com is on there and I can help connect you and help you um, maybe figure that out, what that might look like. So as that I talked about, um, so I've been on this journey of getting degree in clinical mental health. And right now, talking about the pandemic, like it's been a rough time for people. And for those that are kind of in that world, they're just starting to see more and more people come out of it. And it's just a tough time. So my hope, just as we walk through this together, maybe you're not quite suffering from depression. Uh, maybe you know someone in your life. Maybe it can help you see the tools or how to interact with someone that you know that's suffering from depression. Because one thing I know is like people here like, have a good heart. Like they want to do, to good, to do good. They want to be able to say the right thing. But sometimes we end up saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. And so maybe this, this will be a tool for you to be able to do that. So to start off, this is what I want to do. I want to do something I do with my clients. It's called grounding. It's learning to be present at this moment, at this time. Because you start thinking about the future. Imagine when I say the future right now, some of you guys' heart rates might go up a little bit. If you think about tomorrow or what's due next week or what's happening next week, that we start living in the future. We start telling our stories about what might happen then and are we worry and our concern. Or we live in the past. We live in some situation that maybe we caused or was caused to us and we just can't get that out of our head. It's like this thing that controls us all the time. So what I want to do is move just into the present at this moment. So I'm going to walk you through a grounding technique. I'm actually walking you through two of them that I do with my clients. So part of this, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. If you're someone's like, I don't want to close my eyes around other people, it's okay. You don't have to. I want you to feel comfortable. Uh, but go ahead and get yourself situated that you feel kind of relaxed, kind of a good sitting position, one that you can use your diaphragm. So we're going to start off doing something with our senses first. So what I want you to do is just look around the room and identify like three objects. Look at their color, their shape, their size. Just identify three different objects.
Go ahead and close your eyes. We need to use your ears. Try to hear. Try to hear two or three different things. The sound of my voice. The sound of the air on. The creaking of the building. Now what you do, touch. It says your eyes closed. Feel the clothing against your skin. Feel your back against the seat. Pay attention to how your feet feel against the floor. Now with your eyes closed, I want you to imagine a square. It's a four-sided, all the same length. And bring your attention to the bottom left-hand corner of that square. And what we're going to do together is we're going to breathe. When we go up the left side of that square, we're going to take a four-second breath. On the top of that square, we're going to hold our breath for four seconds. On the right side of that square, we're going to let our breath out for four seconds. And the bottom of the square, we're going to hold again before breathing in for four seconds. So let's do this together. Go ahead and take a breath. Two, three, four. Hold your breath. Two, three, four. Let your breath out. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Breath. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Breath out. Two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Breath, hold, out, hold. You can go ahead and open your eyes. What this technique does, it helps you to stay right here, right now. I think sometimes we get so concerned about the future or wrapped up in the past We miss out at this moment, this time. So this is my prayer this week. My prayer this week has been, right now, at this time, God will speak something to you. Maybe something through what I say, maybe something through the worship. But we miss out sometimes when we're over here or we're back here, that God's speaking to us. Because what we do, we have control right now. So as I start talking about some symptoms of depression... You might go in your head as like, oh, I might have that. This is what I don't want you to do. I don't want to label yourself as I am depressed. What happens sometimes is like you get a clinical diagnosis, and now that thing becomes your identity. I am depressed. I am bipolar. I am this. I know many different mental health counselors, like don't like giving a diagnosis. They might have to because insurance reasons and other things, that they have to do that. But they don't like giving that diagnosis to their client because they don't want the client to be stuck there because you're not that thing. If you go, let's say you fall down, you hurt your leg, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, you broke your leg. You don't go, I am a broken leg. Like, it doesn't seem like, that's, that's odd, that's different, that's weird. Like, you're not a broken leg. If you, really rock, if you went to your friends and said, oh, what happened? They're like, well, I'm a broken leg now. So my whole life now, this is who I am. 
No, it's good that you went to the doctor. It's good that you got a diagnosis, so they can actually fix what's going on. But you're not that thing. So when it comes to depression, you are not a depression. You might have symptoms of depression. You could say, "I feel unhappy," or "I feel like I'm depressed." Forget our identity; we get it from the, the Word. We get it from God. You want to label yourself? Label yourself as "I am a child of God," or "I am valuable," or "I am enough." That's how you label yourself. So when I do bring up this word depression, though, I think there's really a broad range that it covers.、Um, what I don't want to put into that word depression is sadness or grief. Sadness and grief—that's a healthy way. It's a healthy response. When you lose something or someone in your life that's special, and you're sad and you're grieving, that is good. Like you need to be able to experience those emotions. Don't ignore those emotions. It's okay that you're sad or grieving. Now, those emotions could move to depression over time. So, when you think about what depression is, it's consistent or persistent part of your life. It's affect, affecting your daily routine, what you want to do in life, what things you care about. So, like for me, like I want to be a good dad, but if I'm suffering from depression, it might keep me from being a good dad. So, I'm consistently going like, "Oh, I want to be there for my kids, but I'm too tired to get up and play with them." I feel too exhausted to go and go to their games. Like so, that starts interrupting my daily life and the things that I care about. So there is two definitions I put into the notes there:、uh, one, a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest, or the other one is called anger turned inward. If you go to a counselor, sometimes they use that one.、Um, it's been around for a long time.、Uh, it kind of came before they started looking at brain studies and chemical. Uh, parts of the brain, but the one thing I do like about the anger turn inward is you can think about the things that you say to yourself. Like you're angry almost to yourself. You say things like, "Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm dumb." What I find sometimes is the person that you are to yourself, you would never be a friend to yourself. Like you would never want that friend in your life. Like you wouldn't want that person around you all the time. But that's who you are to yourself. I like to have people stand outside themselves and give themselves encouragement, bring up their strengths, the things that they're good at. But sometimes we get stuck in a way like all we can think about is mistakes I've made, or I didn't do this right, or I didn't do this right. That we're stuck in this place of this anger turned inward. So. There's some symptoms I listed for depression. So this idea of like loss of interest, of pleasure in the activities that you once enjoyed, changes in appetite could be more or less, trouble sleeping, which also could be trouble sleeping or having too much sleep, loss of energy or fatigue, feeling of worthlessness or guilty, difficulty thinking, concentrating or making decisions. So what I kind of want to talk about for a little bit is severity, severity depression, because you may feel like you're depressed, and then you go to see a counselor, and they don't, they don't give you a diagnosis of depression because you don't fit all the requirements for what depression might look like. You don't fit enough of like a, you haven't had it long enough,、um, or it's not severe enough. And so sometimes the idea of when things maybe are more mild that you can make some changes in your life 
the three that I usually go to is exercise, diet, and sleep. So if you're at a place of where like, hey, I can make some good changes in my life, I can still get up and I can still do those things. You can get yourself to the gym. You can get yourself outside for a walk that you can cook a little bit better to eat a little more healthy. Or you find that you're like, oh, I stay up way late and I have to wake up really early. And like, I can go ahead and go to bed earlier. You start making these changes in your life, they can definitely help with some of these symptoms. When you come to the more severe side, like major depressive disorder, As the church, the big church, like we've done a terrible job with depression. A terrible job with depression. Because we might say things to someone, hmm, let me back up. So I remember when I was like in my 20s, and I was talking with a guy, and there's a gal that was in our class, and she was depressed. And he looked at her and says, I can't believe she's sad all the time. I thought she was a Christian. Like, shouldn't she be more happy? Shouldn't she be more happy about life because she believes in Jesus? And that's always kind of stuck with me. Because that, that girl loved Jesus. But she was struggling with something. And so when I think about the idea of severe depression, like it's like the brain... Your brain's an organ. So those things like neurotransmitters that aren't going. Some of you guys have actually been blessed genetically. Like you will never understand depression because you actually have been blessed in a way that your genetics really don't allow you to go that direction. You have enough serotonin. Other people is like you can handle like this much stress or this stuff going in your life, but add one more thing to it and it puts you in a tough place. And there's some people like genetically... They need help. They need medication. This is my personal belief about medic- medication. Not necessarily the churches. This is my own. Is I see medication as an aid. So uh, sometimes people don't need that aid. They can make some good changes in their own life that will help further them down to a path to getting better. Sometimes people need medication for a period of time. So they want to make changes, they just can't, so they need the medication to be able to start making those changes that will help them out, and then they can get off of it when it's time. There are other people that need to be on medication forever. They need that medication all the time. Unless you walk in someone's shoes, never tell them, like, oh, you should stop making medication. If you believe in Jesus more, if you love God more, if you pray more, you won't need that. Please don't. That's between them and their doctor, them and their therapist. Because there are people that need medication forever. And you tell them to get off of it, they're going to spiral down. Yes, we can make generalizations and say maybe in America we medicate too much. But get to know that person on an individual level. Like, care about them. Don't say things to them like, oh, just get out of bed, stop being so lazy. I think of people that are severely depressed who love God. They know in their mind and their thoughts, like, I love Jesus so much, but I can't do anything about it. Like, how hard would that be? To say, like, this thing is a very important part of my life, but I can't get up, I can't do anything about it. As fellow believers, what we need to do is be able to be there for support 
and love and meet them where they're at. So when they are having a good day and they can get out, they can call on you to be part of their life. Like it's hard right now with so much isolation that people have because isolation does lead to depression. Like we need people in our lives. We're created to be social. We're created to interact. There's something chemically, even like the idea of someone giving you a hug or wrapping arms, arms around you. Um, my wife's a massage therapist and she'll have people that come in and she'll give them a massage and they'll cry. A lot of times those have been elderly because this is the only touch they ever get throughout their week. Like their husband passed away. There's no one else in their life that reaches their arm around them and touches them. Like we are meant to be social, interact as good and healthy. I do want to say though, if you're suffering from depression, don't always just go to your friends to talk about the problems. You need to have fun. You need to enjoy those people in your lives. So I want to look at the scriptures real quick, because I think we can look at them and realize that maybe some of the people in the scriptures also suffered from depression. Now, this is me kind of reading into the scriptures. Like, we don't have a good list of this is what they did or how long or stuff like that. Um, so I am going to read into them. But it's good to realize that sometimes when we think about the people in the Bible, these people of faith, like they had it all together and they did not. There are real people that lived at a real time that had some real issues. And they sometimes met them in the same way that we meet them. So we're going to start off with David, King David. It says Psalms uh, 6, 5 through 7. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. He praises you from the grave. I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Like David had something going on in his life that was difficult. And all he could do was cry all the time. He didn't sleep, he just cried. He says this in Psalms 42, 11. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. You feel like that? My soul is downcast. Like, I want to praise God. I know I should praise God. My soul, you're so downcast right now. Let me look at another guy named Elijah. He's a prophet. That means he spoke on behalf of God. First Kings 19.4. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Just a chapter before this, he was having this like competition with these people that worship another God. And our God came down like fire and burned up this altar and this water and all these other things, this huge miracle, this amazing sight. You would think that Elijah would be like living on that. I don't know if you've ever been to like a youth camp or something or something that has been like really spiritually moving in some way. Like you have almost like a spiritual high for a period of time. Like you think that Elijah would have that same thing, but he didn't. 
He's like, I just prayed that he might, I might die. I'm just done. I'm done with life. I know you're amazing, Lord, but I'm just done. We look at another prophet, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 2014. He goes, cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. That's some strong words right there. May the day I was born not be blessed. I wish it never happened. I wish that day was cursed. I wish my mom never had me. In Lamentations, Jeremiah says this. My eyes fail from weeping. I'm in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. These people spoke on behalf of God. God interacted with them in a very personal way. They had words for, for their people from God. They still felt these things. You following God is not dependent on you being happy. Or how good you feel like my relationship with God is, is based off of my emotions of being happy all the time. We have storms in our life that we go through. Where it's just hard. Because you can still say, like, I do praise you, Lord. I do believe that you're real in my life. This is just the way I feel right now. This is just the place I am in at the moment. So I want to look at Ecclesiastes. So King Solomon, he's the guy that wrote Ecclesiastes. Probably in today's terms, he'd been worth about $2 trillion. Probably in the top 10 people, the richest people that's ever lived in the world. He had everything. Money, women, power. He had wisdom. People traveled all around to hear the wise things that he would say, to get his advice. Have you ever read Ecclesiastes? It is not an uplifting book at all. So we'll start off with the opening of his book, Ecclesiastes 1-2. He says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. It's a really good uplifting way to start off your book. <laughs> meaningless. He goes on to say through the book, like even laughter is meaningless. But I want to draw your attention to the word meaningless. So in Hebrew, Hebrew is like a word picture language. So like in English, where we can take different letters and put them together to create a word. In Hebrew, the word is usually tied into an image of something. Something usually that's around them. So this word meaningless is tied into the image of vapor or mist. So you think in the morning, the mist that is there and then is gone. Or a vapor in the air, you see the water droplets and then they're gone. So this word meaningless, it's, tied like it's here and then it's gone. So as Solomon starts writing this, there's something I think that he's speaking to. So we get down to uh, chapter nine, seven through 10. He says, go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already appointed or approved what you do. 
Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love all the days of this meaningless life, this vaporless life that God has given you under the sun all the meaningless days. Meaningless days. I think what Solomon might be saying here. So remember that life is like a vapor. It is here and gone. It is short. Well, sometimes it might feel long to step back and realize life is short. Because it is short, you know what? You might as well enjoy it. Because it's like a vapor, like a mist. You know what? For our time here and our time now, you might as well enjoy life. So think about something in your life that you just don't like doing. Something simple like a chore. Doing the dishes. Vacuuming. Waking up in the morning. Something you look at like, I just don't ever look forward to it. What if you were to stop back and wait for a second and go like, maybe I can learn actually to enjoy this moment. So if you're a teenager in here, imagine cleaning your room is a pain in the neck, something you dislike doing. The time that you have left with your parents is short. It's not long. Well, hopefully it's not long. Hopefully you don't plan to live there until you're like 30. <laughs> but this moment is short. What if you could learn to actually just enjoy taking care of your room without your parents asking you all the time? What would that do between you and your relationship with your parents? Are things they have asked you to do over and over again? Say, maybe I can just find enjoyment in this. Or a college student, like you're here to go to school. You're here to learn. You're here to study. For those that have been out of college for a while, well, I came back to it, but there's a time that wasn't there. But it was short. It was a short period of time in my life. But you had to spend all this time studying, getting ready for a test. What if you were just to learn how to enjoy that time? Enjoy studying. Like a moment in your life where like, I can look forward to that. I can change the way I think about it. Because what? It's only for a short period of time in my life. So I might as well enjoy it. What if you're able to just change one or two things in your daily life? With this idea of, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy this. It's short. My life is short. I like the idea when he talks about marriage, like your wife. Like sometimes the idea of like marriage can be tough and difficult. But also at the same time, like you guys don't really have that long together in this life. So the time that you do have, you might as well enjoy it. Like work towards making it healthy so you can enjoy your marriage, enjoy your time together. We're going to have communion here in a moment. What I want to say, though, is if you feel like you're struggling with, this, with depression, you don't feel like you have anybody to reach out to right now, you guys have your connection cards there, please write on there. Like, please give me a call. Please talk to me right now. Like, I am just struggling. I don't know who to talk to. And maybe you do have someone in your life that you could go talk to. Go talk to them. You don't have to do this alone. 
because you're not alone. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.